Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 134 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm talking to not one, not two, but three amazing guests. I'm joined by C.M. Newell, S.W. Miller, and Scott Williamson. And we are going to be talking all about how they launched their first books. I really felt like this was missing. I wanted to talk to these guys because they have all recently or or recently re-released their very first book. And I wanted to give you guys information about what it really feels like um, because I've forgotten. Like, it's been so long since I launched my first book. I wanted to go back to those grassroots so that we, you know, you have that information about what it's really like, what's difficult, what it feels like, where the fear is. Um, and each one of these uh, authors has a completely different business model and, and approached launching their first book in a completely different way. And that is just, it's so interesting to see how they've all done it and all done it successfully. So um, that is what we're going to cover today. Last week's question was, what are your favourite in-person events? Meg Jolly said, great episode. I could listen to Nora all day. She is so good at this. My favourite in-person events are informal small author hangouts or smallish author conferences. It's great to see people in person as we are all so far flung around the globe. Kerry Hodiski said, great episode. My library system does a lot of events for writers, small conferences and talks about craft and business uh, and uh, end of trad and indie authors. Oh, sorry. It talks about the craft and business end of trad and indie authors. It's ridiculously expensive, but I would love a table at Comic-Con one day just to say I did it. All right. So this week's question is, how is your year going and is it as productive as you wanted? Uh, the reason I'm asking that is because it is tax year end for me. I've, I've just uh, sorted all my accounts with my accountant. Um, and I it's also that time of year where I get prepared to do my solo episode as at the end of April, it will be it will mark the third full year in business. Oh, my God. I just felt a little belly roll then. I can't believe I've been doing this for three full years and I didn't have to go can get a full-time job. Oh, praise the literary gods. So I am preparing a solo show, which will uh, come and I will give you all of the lessons I've learned from three years in business. Uh, and I will link out to the first year and the second year uh, episodes that I did as well. More on that next time. Well, no, not, well, not next time, uh, <laughs> when it comes out at the end of the month. So the book recommendation of the week this week is not, in fact, a book at all. It is a podcast. I, I swing in and out of binge listening to uh, podcasts. I let episodes rack up and then I go back and binge listen to like 30 episodes or whatever. Um, and recently I have been listening to the Writing Excuses podcast, which um, has like Brandon Sanderson, although he's not in it at the moment, and Dan Wells and... Mary Robinette Cowell, and it sort of rotates various authors. Uh, but they have been doing uh, a series on structure, story structure, and it's been really interesting. I have really thoroughly enjoyed it. And so I'm recommending that this week, not a book at all. Okay, so in personal news then, the last time I recorded, I had just got back from London Book Fair. Um, and I think it was Friday that I recorded. Uh, yeah, Friday the 8th of April. It is now... Thursday the 14th of April and I got Covid on the Saturday, <laughs> Saturday the 9th. So I was feeling a bit rotten on the Friday but I, I assumed that it was still exhaustion from London Book Fair but um, as it turns out I ended up picking up Covid from London Book Fair two and a bit years. I managed to avoid it and then I picked it up. What is crazy to me is that I had infectious people in my house and around me on multiple occasions and didn't get it. And then I went to one social event, <laughs> one social event and pick up fucking covid anyway um so i i'm sort of over the worst of it already actually if i'm honest um i think sunday and monday were probably the worst days uh i sounded very hoarse i'm so glad that i missed 
uh, the the podcast recording. It, well, that has missed the podcast recording. Otherwise, this would have sounded very different. Um, I'm still a little bit husky, but not really anymore. Um, more nasally, I think, because of the, the cold. I'm still a little bit tired, I would say, uh, but definitely over the worst of it. So what else? Well, this week I did the final, final read through of Trey and Sirens and I made all of the corrections and changes on Monday, Tuesday. Uh, That took so much longer than I anticipated. I really did not think it was going to take as long as it did. And I got those, but those are done and uploaded. And now, um, where am I at? Yeah, so that is it. I'm completely, completely done with those books, apart from obviously the launches. But like writing wise, I'm done and out. Like all of that work is finished and it is so freeing. I cannot even begin to tell you the weight that has lifted. I really needed to finish that work. So I feel a lot better and I'm now about 17 or 18,000 words into my nonfiction. I have actually just commissioned another non-fiction book cover which is exciting so I'm going to be writing two more or less back to back alongside um the scent of death so I am going to spend the next couple of weeks trying to get the non-fiction finished and then after that I'm moving swiftly to fiction to finish the scent of death and then straight on to um oh I nearly told you the title uh the straight on to the next non-fiction book because I want I'm desperate to do that one because I'm excited for it so yeah I I have really really tried quite hard to clear the decks and create space for words Another announcement for those of you uh, who listen to the Next Level Authors podcast, that is the podcast that I run with Dan Wilcox. We have decided to end the podcast. Now, I I think London Book Fair kind of gave me a bit of perspective. It is a mutual um, agreement. We both agreed that it is time to end the show. We've done two years and it's not at all because of our friendship or anything. We're still um, really, really good friends and we're still going to see each other and we're still going to talk. It is literally because that podcast takes, you know, one working day a month and I really want to write. I need to get more more books done. I need to spend time doing the important work. And it's hard. Like, I've realised that one of the things that holds me back is that I say yes to too many things. And it's almost a self-sacrificing, not self-sacrificing, brain won't work. Self-sabotaging act is to say yes to things because then it prevents me from doing the important work. And I'm done with that. I'm in pain because I am not working on the things that are meaningful to me, um, which includes course creation, writing more books, writing more nonfiction, um, you know, writing fiction. I really desperately want to get the sapphic books done. And I just can't. I have too many tracks open in my brain. And even though I did all of that work last year to close down all of those projects, there's still so much going on. And with all the life shite that's happened this year, you know, everybody's had COVID around me and I bust my knee and and all the rest of that bollocks it's really slowed me down and it's really filled my brain and I'm just I'm trying to be better for me and and create more time for the wording which is the thing that I really I left my job for that is what I left my day job for so I should be doing that more or, or, or maybe not should but I want to be doing it more and so that's what I'm trying to make space for for the rest of this year I am I am gutted because it has created so many laughs over the years but also you know hopefully it will create space for new and exciting things to come I think that is probably most of my personal updates this week. The rebel of the week this week is Helen Rieg Pedersen. And I did ask how to pronounce that, so I hope I did it uh, justice. And Helen says, when I was about 15, I pulled out one of my grey hairs, genetics, and pretended to pull it out of my older sister's head. She ran to the bathroom crying, locked herself in, and said she wouldn't come out until someone brought her hair dye. (laughs) What makes it even better is that my mum was in on the game with me, giggling like a schoolgirl on the other side of the bathroom door. Oh my goodness me. Oh, I love that. One, I love that you embrace your grey hair and two, that you you can use it to play a prank on your older sibling. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, that's probably probably giving me a giggle only because me and my, my siblings and I all have quite a lot of... Um, banter with each other shall we say we're very competitive 
no idea why. Uh, if you would like to be a Rebel of the Week, please do send in your story. We are always in need of stories. Seriously, guys. So if you have a story, please send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or something in between. You can email your be- your, your Becca story, your Rebel story to Becca on rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. One new patron this week. Welcome and a big thank you to Dharma Kelleher. I really, really appreciate the support and I appreciate all of my patrons, old, new and middling. We are currently running uh, a couple of things, a quarter two challenge where each week there are sprints or there are stories or there are different bits of uh, motivation uh, for you guys to complete your goals. And then for the Rebel Readers at the Rebel Reader level, we are currently reading She Who Became the Sun and Unlondon and we're going to have a movie night where we will all jump on zoom and watch a movie together and then we uh, will have the masterclass on the chosen one trope later in june so if you'd like to uh, support the show and get early access to all of the episodes as well as bonus content then you can from as little as two dollars a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black This episode is sponsored by Kobo Writing Life. As an indie author, it's vital to make sure your books are finding their way to as many readers as possible. From their home base in Canada, Kobo Writing Life works hard to keep customers reading all over the world. Here are some tips that can help your books stand out globally. At Kobo Writing Life, you can set the price in 16 currencies. When you're pricing your book, you should consider how your prices are being shown globally in our store. Is your $5.99 US dollar price showing as $4.69 in British pounds? Remember, an awkward price can impact your sales, and you might as well round up and make a little more on every sale. Make sure you are manually setting the price in all currencies. You can also use ads to target Kobo's partner stores around the world. From Booktopia in Australia to FNAC France, Kobo works with local booksellers to make sure they're reaching as many readers as possible. We also make it easy for authors to distribute to libraries, publish audiobooks or opt into our non-exclusive subscription program Kobo+. Plus. If you want to learn more about this or any aspects of KWL, check out the Kobo Writing Life podcast available wherever you get your podcasts and find Kobo Writing Life on social media and of course tagged in the show notes as well. Right, that is enough from me. Let's get on with this corking episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am crazy ridiculous excited because I have not one, not two, but a super special episode because I have three rebels on the show this week and they are genuinely rebels and they are genuinely amazing. So I'm going to introduce each one uh, individually and then we will crack on with the questions. So our first rebellious author is S.W. Miller. S.W. Miller is an urban fantasy author. He describes his myth and magic series as a cross between the magicians and James Bond. Shane holds a BA in journalism and is an author member of the Alliance of Independent Authors. He lives in Buckinghamshire, England. He's taken too many writing courses to count and enjoys reading as much as possible. Shane is obsessed with five things. Oh, I know somebody else that's obsessed with five things. Uh, The writing craft, mythology, personal development, food and martial arts movies. Currently, Shane is working on a series of craft guides to help other authors write better fiction. Hello and welcome, Shane. Hello. Thank you for having me. You are most welcome, darling. Next up, we have C.M. Newell. C.M. Newell has been a lover of all things fairy tale and fantasy, especially the twisted ones, for as long as she can remember. She loves writing strong female characters who don't fall victim to circumstance, but rise above it or lead it. In her world, a princess can save herself with perseverance and wit. CM's novels have an underlying theme that expectations or labels are something everyone must overcome by finding their truth or die trying. CM Newell is the author of the young adult contemporary fantasy series, The Unwanted Series, and a new Apple Award winner with her debut novel, Magic. 
Her final book in the series, Sacred, is set for publication on April 7th, 2022. She is currently living with her family outside Tampa Bay, Florida, where she spends most days writing, devouring a new book and coaching new authors. Hello and welcome. Hey, Sasha. <laughs> and last, but by no means least, we have Scott Williamson. Scott Williamson's stories have his twisted Scottish cheek, a nip of darkness and a sprinkle of hope. Scott, I, and I'm never going to be able to pronounce this right. Scott lives in Old Reeky. Is that right? Tell me. Okay, excellent. Edinburgh right. with his wife and three kids. When he is not in his writing cage fighting with the blank page, Scott can be found curled up and broken on the couch with a book after a day parenting his tearaway children. Hello and welcome. Hello, Sasha. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on. No, I'm absolutely honoured. So what are we doing? What the fuck are we doing with three people on a podcast? Well, what I thought is that it would be, we often have guests who are um, really far down the line, have launched a bazillion books, um, are experts in various random fields. But what we don't always have are authors who are in the thick of it, in the middle of launching either their first, second, you know, third book, and have the hands-on experience that you guys as listeners are um, after. So so I wanted to bring three um, new-ish, <laughs> ranging from really new and fresh to not quite as new authors on the show to get first-hand experience and uh, talk about publishing those first books from people who are uh, right at that point. So before we dive into that, I just want to come to each one of you um, to ask sort of your journey into writing, like how did you get to where you are? And I'm going to start with Cassie. All right. So... I'm going to be all Disney-like tangled. I had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> and it grew from a creative seed, to be quite honest. So I um, started devouring books uh, with the very first Kindle that came out. Uh, my husband gave it to me for Christmas gift to alleviate all our shelves of books. And I just couldn't get enough. And I kept thinking, I could write this differently. Wonder if this happened or that happened. And then I took my first creative writing class outside of college as an adult while I'm doing my my day job, my career. And yeah, it was a little eye-opening. And then it just was a bug that bit. And so that carried me forward. And uh, yeah, that was almost uh, 15, 18 years ago. We won't wow. say how old I am, but I <laughs> use great skin cream. <laughs> you do, darling. You look fabulous. So um, when, so when did you publish your first book? Yeah, actually, um, I published my first book in 2016. And I had um, written another book that will never see the light of day. But I hired a writing coach um, the summer of 2016 and had an idea. And I wanted to move forward with it in young adult. And my kids were much younger then. And yeah, six months later, I had the itch and I was like, I'm going to pull that trigger and hit that button. And I did. So yeah, it happened pretty quickly, but it took several years for me to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Shane, to, tell me a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So pretty typical for a writer, I think. About 10 years ago, I did what most authors do. Um, I finished the first draft of a really crappy novel, stuffed it in a drawer and forgot all about it. Um, then I did the quote unquote sensible thing and got a corporate job and I didn't think about writing for ages. Um, then a couple of years ago, I found that old manuscript, read it through and thought it's shit, um, but maybe I can do better this time. So after a ton of input, I found, you know, like most people do, Joanna Penn, Mark Dawson, you, Sasha. Um, and then I wrote my brand new book, which after loads of revisions became The Witch's Revenge, which is the first novel in my current series. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much how I got to where I am. And so you published for the first time when? Uh, first time in January. January 2022, for those listening yeah. in the future, because podcasts do time travel. Um, yes. Scott, tell me about your journey. So 
whenever I, to be fair, listen to Cassie and Shane, it's slightly different to what I normally hear when I listen to podcasts. Normally it's, um, I've been writing since I was five. I've been writing since I was in the womb, you know, and I always felt bad when I heard that. Um, but I only started writing about five years ago, maybe something like that. And um, essentially I've just got a standard finance nine to five job and I've got a family at home and I'm just kind of looking for something creative to do that was mine and I tried a few different things and then when I was in um, a bookshop I found a how to write like a creative writing manual and picked it up started going through it started doing some of the exercises caught the bug then I started to find other learning resources, then I found podcasts, then I found writing courses, then I found craft books, and I just went down the rabbit hole and have absolutely loved it. I think it's finding something that I get to learn forever has just been the thing that's just caught me and pulled me under. Mm. So that, so, so I've just ran with it from there. And, and when did you publish for the first time? I published for the first time in January of 2022 as well. I think we um, published uh, on the same day, Scott. Yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> um, well, we'll not, we'll not work out who's sold more. But <laughs> I'm not competitive. <laughs> I am. <laughs> now, now, children. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, for Scott, it was about five years. For Cassie, it's been, uh, did you say 15 years? But So from that first draft of the book that you published to publishing it, how long was that? Oh, no, it was only um, six months. Okay. From my first book, yeah. Okay, and then Shane, your journey, like from taking that novel out and and then to publishing it is two years yeah yeah okay cool all right so very briefly i know that cassie does uh young adult fantasy uh, shane what's your genre urban fantasy urban fantasy it? for me yeah that's right now scott what's your genre <laughs> <laughs> oh this question okay so i've been thinking about this there is two parts to everything that i write one there's some kind of fantasy or supernatural element to everything I write and two there is always a layer of dark Scottish humour so that that is basically again that's not a genre but that's how I would describe my writing that's the closest I've ever heard you get to a genre (laughs) so you get some points today um okay so as we just as we as we have established you are all either new or new-ish authors. Um, so I want you to walk back to the first time you published uh, a book. Like, how did it feel? What did you worry about? And how did you push yourself over those fears to actually get that first book over the line? Um, Cassie, you tell me first. Yeah, I. Um, it was kind of, you know, fear is one of those things. It's like, this excitement. It's like the first kiss, right? It's like, it's going to happen. You're excited. It's going to happen. And it can be a little messy at first. (laughs) Usually the second kiss is a little better, right? So um, for magic, you know, I was just so gun ho and the fear for me of pushing it over, I actually wrote under a pen name because I had a fear of, you know, writing young adult fantasy and how that would be portrayed in my quite serious day job. Um, And I didn't want it to be attached to me at the time. And so, you know, I kind of worked through that and pen name was the opportunity for me to do that. And, you know, I had kind of delusions of grandeur as well, you know, hitting that publish button. But what was great for me was learning the entire industry process because I did choose Indie for specific reasons. Um, and as a result, you know, I, I was so excited, but it was like, I don't know what happened. It was around 2017, just a few months later, really. And I had done actually really well for a first time author. And I actually won an award that short story I thought was a joke at first and spam. So I was kind of surprised (laughs) and, um, 
2017, I kind of lost my mojo as to why am I doing this? You know, what is my purpose of this and things of that nature. So, you know, I had just great excitement in the beginning, but I don't think I knew why I was doing it very directly in the beginning. It took some time. Mm. And I see, it's funny because 2000, so I first published in 2017. So you published before me. Um, But the interesting thing is, is that 2017 year for me, I think was the very last year, the very last, like if you have a, like a change curve or whatever, it's like right the tail end of the golden era. Cause I know a few authors that published 2016, 17, who, who really made a lot of money and like have continued to do it. And I mean, I didn't make a lot of money at the beginning, but I made enough to go, Oh, okay. Like I still managed to find enough readers that like that mushrooming with additional books was possibly easier than than some other people have found it who publish later um so yeah i think it's that because i know i've got a few friends it's funny because we were talking about the year 2017 and all of us kind yeah. of agreed that that was the very last year of yeah. of simplicity because you know ams ads had recently come in and you know they weren't all um saturated and all that stuff um okay yeah i didn't think you had to be too strategic before that time period, really. Um, And you could really do a share of voice with your friends and your family that just kind of enveloped quite naturally. And then after that, the market seemed quite saturated. And now you Mm -hmm. have to be a lot more strategic and planning forthright in this, if that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, Scott, Tell me about your uh, first launch. Like, how did it feel? What were you worrying about? How did you get yourself over those fears? So I think I had the worry of when about other people reading my work initially. So I think that was starting to creep into my writing sessions to the point where you're thinking, I don't want to hit publish because people have to read this. Um, the other thing that was kind of creeping in as well was that all the things I should have in quotes, like I should have a website, I should have a newsletter set up, I should have this number of Instagram followers and all these kind of things. And it was kind of making me delay doing anything or publishing anything. So to kind of get over those fears, fears of anyone reading it, the fears of not having all the shoulds, I um, had, de- well, I bought a course, which had deadlines involved. No, no shock there that I bought a course. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I bought a course by um, Dean Wesley Smith, which essentially there was a deadline every week where you had to write a short story, like a finished revised short story in a week, every week for five weeks. And then after that, there was also deadlines for getting a cover put together and getting the back matter put together, all the, all the kind of publishing steps. And by the end of the eight weeks, you had to have click publish. And that just worked so well for me. Um, it just, that constant deadline, and that's all you could focus on, not all the other kind of fears or worries that you had. Just the only worry is I don't miss the, don't hit the deadline. Um, and that really helped me and got me over the line and got me to click publish. Mm, I love that. I love that that's so completely radically different as well. Um, and it's funny, isn't it? Because like, even now, even before every single fucking book I publish, I still shit my pants. Like I, there is a genuine <laughs> period yeah. of pants shitting because like, I hate the fact that people read my books. I would much rather, well, no, I wouldn't obviously because I need to pay my bills, but like there is that part of the psyche where I'm like, oh, like I, I have to not think about that people are going to read it because otherwise, I don't know, I put too much pressure on. And then because I was having a discussion this morning uh, in NLA and I like, I was just like, yeah, just, just write a shit first draft. Like that's what I need to do. I just need to write a shit first draft. But even now, like fucking God knows how many books in, I still yeah. make the same mental mistake, like mindset wise. But yeah, uh, Shane, tell me about uh, your journey and your worries and your fears before that first publishing. And Cause you did something very different, but we'll come, we'll come to that in a second. We'll come to the methods in a bit. Yeah. So in terms of how it 
felt that is a loaded question. Uh, for me, I think it felt like a it's a weird mix of excitement, queasiness, and diarrhea-inducing terror. You know, it was it was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done. Um, glad I did it now, obviously. And then worries. I mean, I had a ton of what ifs. So what if readers hate this? What if they like it? What if someone shouts imposter and throws me out on my ear? You know, it's it's all of those kind of things that build up over time, specifically probably I'd say in the two to three weeks before you actually hit the publish button, like when you've got all the pre-orders up and stuff, mm. um, starts to feel a bit real. Mm. And then in terms of how I got over it, I didn't, I still haven't, and I don't think I ever will. Uh, I think most writers, you've just alluded to it there, Sasha, feel like if not imposters then maybe feel these worries at some point so i guess all you can do is keep hitting publish until it gets slightly easier hopefully <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um okay so just briefly talk me through the launch model like the kind of the marketing model that you used and we're gonna shane let's start with you we'll go backwards this time Okie doke. So in terms of launch, I went with the KDP Select rapid release model. Um, I'll come to the reasons in a minute because I think you're going to ask about that later. But with in terms of marketing, I had the pre-orders for books two and three up when book one launched. Um, so I got some promo slots with sites like Freebooksy and Fussy Librarian and a few others. Cross my fingers and hope for the best, basically, because I didn't really know what I was doing if I'm honest. But you also did something unusual, which I've never seen before. You set your first book to free, didn't you, for a, little, for a short period? I did, yeah. I set, basically, I did two free days with some promos booked around it um, when it first came out, the very first two days. And then I did three days at 99 cents, 99p uh, after that. So five days of promo altogether. And what, like, so let, let's go into the reasons before we, before I ask somebody else, why did you do that? And do you think it was the right thing? Like, did it work for you? Yeah. Talk me through, through that. Yeah. So in terms of why, um, well, why KU was because urban fantasy, obviously, and most of the indie books, well, I say most, but a good chunk of indie books that are urban fantasy are in KU. It's kind of where the readers are. And that seemed like a good idea. Uh, and then in terms of why I chose to do promo, I just think I was trying to reach as many readers as possible in the shortest space of time. And I wanted to see, because a lot of people say, like, don't promote your first book too heavily. But I wanted to see if because I had the pre-orders, that made a difference. And I think it did make a difference. Um, and I am glad I did it because I don't think I would have reached the amount of readers that I have reached in a short space of time if I didn't hadn't gone down that road mm, mm, yeah okay um Cassie tell me about the marketing kind of methodology you used uh, to launch your first book and why you decided to go down that route so I'm gonna switch gears on you because I didn't do a whole lot of marketing on that first book but what I did do is I had a, a grand period of time in which I relaunched my books in 2020 and I had finally figured out my path on my series, which is a whole nother topic in and of itself. But nonetheless, I knew how I wanted my books to end and how the series to end. But I just, uh, I had a shiny new object that took me away from finishing my series kind of directly and quickly, if you will. So um, in 2020, I actually took the Goodreads route. Um, and I did a couple of promotions through there and giveaways through there. And I went to Goodreads because if you're, if you don't know what Goodreads is, I like to say it's Facebook for readers and I could really target people who read young adult fantasy. And I was able to do kind of a launch through that. And that's pretty much what I invested in. I didn't do AMS ads. I did not do, um, Amazon exclusivity, I decided to go wide. And the reason for that is I had, I was able to see through my newsletter, which I finally built back up in 2020, that my readers were all over and I actually have quite a contingency in India. So um, for me, I needed to be wide and I don't regret that whatsoever. So that was what I did in 2020 when I decided to relaunch my series. 
And do you feel like it worked for you? Was it the right decision to relaunch? Like what, when you say relaunch, what does that mean? Like what things did you change in order to launch it? So yeah, what I did was in 2020, I cleaned up just a little bit um, of magic. It wasn't perfect, but I decided I wasn't going to change the story. I wanted to move forward in my skill set. So my focus was book two. And uh, with that, you know, if you are a young adult reader in fantasy, like I am, you love series and you just want to keep going and going. So my focus was onward and upward. Um, and I think it worked. It was successful. Did I sell as many copies? Probably not, but I got a lot of reviews in Goodreads. Did I get them at all the retailers? Not so much, but it's interesting. I have a lot of reviews in India too. So it's, it's kind of a give or take, but for me, that was success. And also in this type of wide scenario, my thought process is a marathon process, mm-hmm. not a sprint. So for me, book three coming out is more where my focus is lied. And as well as when in another year I can do box sets and other things. So I didn't put as much oomph behind uh, relaunching magic and then launching rain. Um, and I also felt at the time for being wide that for this particular genre, you know, I think probably being um, exclusive in, in Amazon would have probably been the best bet from a money standpoint, but I went for my fan standpoint. Mm, Oh, I love that. Um, okay. Scott, what was your launch method and, uh, your reason why? Because I think like your launch method is very different again to the other two. Um, but also I think the really important thing about, cause I know we're laughing, we're joking, but actually there was yeah. a really important reason for doing it. And yeah. that is like, that reason alone is kind of why I wanted you on this episode. So my launch method was click publish. <laughs> that was my launch method. There was no, um, marketing plan or any kind of, it was about getting the book done and out and going through the process of publishing, understanding all the different systems, understanding, you know, how to publish a book, how to put a book together, how to write the back matter, all that kind of stuff. It was all just working my way through that and also taking the pressure off, which is the main, that's why. The more, the, the more like I, um, build up a big plan around it, the more pressure I've put on myself. And I didn't, it just wouldn't happen if I did that. So just sneaking it out there almost was the best thing I could do. Um, and it's a learning experience. And I, I plan on doing this for decades. Like I, I like I plan on publishing lots of books and doing this for a long time. So the first one it's okay for it to just to be about learning and about getting over the hurdle. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I chose that method. And how do you feel now? Like how has just shoving it out there, like has that given you confidence or like, how do you, yeah. Like, how do you feel? Like no one came around to my house and shot me for publishing Mm -hmm. the book basically. So (laughs) like, that's what I learned. One you know, nobody's, nobody's going to die over this. It's fine. So everything's going to be okay. Um, and the other thing is, um, it, like, I, I just want to do it more now. It's like, it's like a drug a little bit mm-hmm. of like that feeling of seeing your name on a book and, um, people telling me that they've read it, even if it is only my mum, is very, um, <laughs> um, it's lovely. It's really lovely. And I feel like um, I could properly achieve something just, just by doing that. So, and I think next time, yeah, I'll, I will slowly build things up. I will have um, marketing plans and newsletters and all that. That will come with time. So what you're saying is slowly, but surely hashtag consistently. You yes, will continue to will. grow your oh, yeah, writing yeah. business. I, <laughs> yeah. I will slowly wear you all down with my consistency. Drink. Um, and to be fair, the other thing as well, I do see a lot because I've immersed myself in like all the kind of Facebook groups and all that kind of stuff. I do see a lot of people putting so much pressure on their first book and being so worried about um, 
like spending a fortune on the first book to the point that that has to like succeed. And I just didn't want it to be like that. I want, you know, I want to pace myself. Yeah, I, I, the funny thing is, and I think you might laugh about this, but that's kind of what I did with my first book. I just, <laughs> I just wrote it and published it. And I didn't, I didn't even think about it. Like, that, but for me, I look back and I'm like, wow, fuck me. The arrogance of just shoving a book out. Like, I know that's not where you came from. No, <laughs> right. that's not, no, 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 that's not where you came from, which is exactly yeah. why I got you to say that before I started yeah, yeah, speaking. Yeah. But for me, I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I, I can do this. Like, of course I can do this. And I just fucking put it out there. And it's it's only now I have like crippling anxiety. Um, but uh, I suppose because it means well, it's not that it didn't mean it meant loads back then. But like, I just I don't know, like. Well, now know. you have a built audience, though. Right. So there's that expectation mm-hmm. on your shoulders. And I think that's what crumbles me on this last book. I'm like, is it the right ending? Shit. <laughs> you know, like you start thinking about those things. Yeah, so, and yeah. no, I completely agree. And that is why I've had to almost disconnect my brain from the series, the fi- the finale, because I just like, mm-hmm. it, I, you know, I do do that even now. I, I make it all far more than it is. Like, it's just, a, it's just a fucking book with pages in it, you know, just publish it and what will be will be. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, next question is, what was the most difficult part of publishing your first book? And on the flip side, what was the easiest bit? So I'm going to go backwards again. So we're going to go back to Scott. So... I would say the most difficult part was, so I published wide and it was just going through all the systems and clicking all the buttons <laughs> and <laughs> just like hovering over every button, uh, every option, thinking, what the fuck am I clicking here? And what does this mean? <laughs> so um, that is definitely like for people who are listening that are um on a deadline or anything, that process from when you've finished and you've got that book ready to publish to when you click publish or work your way through learning about Amazon versus Kobo versus D2D, like give yourself time because that that was a part that I found, I mean, it's not hard. You just have to go through and learn it. You just have to understand, but is, there's a lot. Um, so I think I think that was... And I also, um, I did my own cover, which is, you know, <laughs> I don't think I did too bad, but uh, look at you all shaking your heads at me. Um, <laughs> that just makes me want to do it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, you know, getting the um, templates and all that kind of stuff. And that that was hard. I actually had to enlist Cassie to help me. So that, <laughs> that, that, was, that was hard. And what was the easiest um, bit? The easiest bit? Um, I think, I mean, the writing actually feels like the easiest bit now. When I, um, I think it's because I was writing short stories. So I think um, I only had to focus for a week and um, on each one. So I think that was the easiest bit. I'm struggling to think about what else was easy. Um, <laughs> All right, well, we'll give you intellection a minute and I'll go to yeah. Cassie. So I'm going to say... The most difficult thing was the reviews and also the most rewarding thing was the reviews. Like I have a review that's, that just disparages my title and says nothing about the book. I'm like, what? I mean, some of these things you can certainly, you know, push to the wayside and the other things when you read them and they're really positive wow, what energy pennies. I'm just going to say that. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome and it makes you feel really good. Um, but at the same time, I've learned not to look at them because Mm -hmm. there's this part that also disabled me for book two, because it was like, what have I set myself up for? And I think that you know, from my perspective, now that I've done this a little while longer and seen some of these things, you know, you can really go down a rabbit hole of only having a few reviews and then months go by. 
and then have your next review and then months go by, then you relaunch and you've got new reviews and months go by, you know, it just continues and you have to remember your books are evergreen. Mm -hmm. So reviews are going to come and go. So I think, you know, it's kind of a double edged sword, but it's also like the most awesome too. I have a real love hate relationship with reviews because I, if I'm in the right mood, I can read them and they will just wash off me. And then every so often I'll read an amazing review and be like, oh no, like they can't mean that. Or like, they don't really think that they're just being nice. Or like, I will, Mm -hmm. I will use it to convince myself that what they've said was like a pity review or you know and then like there are times when I will read the bad reviews like and and I can turn it into shits and giggles so like the other day I'm sure you guys remember um I had a review where somebody was like ah oh, this book is if if um if Deadpool was a professor and I was like oh my god that is quite literally the best thing as any anyone has ever said about me and it was a one-star review and I was like I don't get it like this is the best compliment ever so I used it because I was like if if Deadpool was a professor in a university I would fucking throw my money at that course so <laughs> you know but then there also there are other um uh one star reviews that just destroy me or like it's not that it's like the three star i remember somebody likened me to um janice from friends like you know like that that's how annoying my voice was i was like wow like she is annoying um and then i like didn't write for a little while after that so like i i yeah i have to really make sure i'm in the right mindset before looking at reviews otherwise it's like a dangerous game um shane Yes. So I think the most difficult thing, similar to Scott, really, although I'm not wide, it is all the prep and admin that happens before you launch that is actually more stressful than the launch. So it's the, you know, the website setup, the mailing list, the privacy policies, metadata, keywords, you know, all the shit that never ends. Literally was, never ends. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That yeah. was the hardest thing. And I, it doesn't get easier with new books. You know, no, I no, thought, oh, I've got worse. this now. Yeah. yeah, but then if you have to update something, you've got to update it all on 50,000 oh, fucking platforms. It drives me insane. Yeah. I don't even do it anymore. I, was, I get Becca, <laughs> she's amazing. Literally, let everybody know <laughs> that Becca is amazing. Um, and what was the easiest thing for you? Yeah, so the easiest thing, I think once you've hit publish, I was just so ready to get onto the next book. So it sparked like a massive. I don't know, creativity burst kind of thing. And I just thought I'm, I need to get onto the next thing now because I'm building up momentum. Um, and what Cassie mentioned reviews as well. Um, just on reviews, I find the three-star reviews worse than the one-star reviews because they don't, like one of mine says something like, this is really insipid, but then they don't explain why, or they'll then say, but I'm going to read the next one. And you think, what? <laughs> Yeah. Why are you reading the next one if it's yeah. insipid? That's the yeah. last thing I'd want to read. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't care because they're going to the next one. Well, yeah. No, you know, I'll take your money. That's fine. But <laughs> it's, it's weird. Um, Scott, did your intellection come up with anything? Um, not really. I guess the easiest okay. thing is surprising people that have written a book. That, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so I'm going to throw a question at you that I didn't prepare you for, but I'm gonna we're gonna uh, answer that one afterwards. So I'll give you a little bit of time to to kind of think about it. What would your best bit of advice be for somebody who is approaching their first book launch? So that's the, the last question I'm gonna ask you. Um, but the question that I'm gonna ask you now is like, what is the biggest thing that you've learned? from your first publication and is there anything that you are going to do differently next time so I'm going to come to Cassie first um I think what I learned from my first publication really was you know I need to focus more on the readers and the readers that I have and I decided in 2020 to really lean into that and I think in the beginning you're thinking I need to publish this, get sales, then it builds up my readership. And I think that, you know, if you don't stay consistent in how you're launching, that's tough to maintain. So 
to me, the newsletters are important, although I struggle sometimes to write them because I, I'm one of those people who I hate getting all my emails and I, I don't know if you guys do the select and just delete like I do, yep. but I, I, you know, I try to make it worthwhile and I try to give things that I think would be fun, like playlists, my magnet reads, my deleted scenes, you know, quizzes, like which guardian would you be? And, you know, fun things. And a lot of times you're put under pressure to actually come up with those things. So, yeah, I think that, you know, my first launch and just starting that that's, you know, what you should focus on really in my mind is your identify exactly who your reader is. Stop being so generalized, niche it down because at the end of the day, there are over 4 billion people on this planet. And when you realize what your niche is, you would be surprised at what that number is. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, Shane. Hey, so lessons learned. I think definitely learned that while the go exclusive rapid release model, it does what it says on the tin in terms of getting, you know, the Amazon algorithm moving and all that stuff, but it is hard to sustain that pace and it isn't, honestly something that I am going to be able to sustain. So I'll be taking a slower um, kind of speed of publishing going forward. And certainly in terms of what I'll do differently, I'm working on some nonfiction for writers right now, and I will not be doing uh, KDP Select for those. I'll be publishing wide. I'll be releasing a little slower and I'll be producing a lot of evergreen content around craft editing and mindset. So yeah, it, it'll be a lot different when I publish the nonfiction and probably when I publish future fiction works as well. Scott, how about you? So I think the biggest lesson I learned was figure out what I'm writing in terms of the genre. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, because I think even if that means getting someone else to read your book and say, like, this is where... Um, I would see this in the bookshop or this is where I would find this on Amazon because I think sometimes it's really hard as a writer to judge your own work from a, not just like whether or not it's good or bad, whatever that it means, but like what, what it is or what genre it's under. Cause I had a lot of people tell me that my writing had like horror elements and dark elements. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I thought it was like, urban fantasy without and it's just not it's not at all i think the um, weeping bloody gaping yeah. face wounds might have been the big giveaway yeah, yeah, or the yeah, cannibalism yeah. like that yeah, might have been yeah. a hint too yeah <laughs> um i just didn't see that at all so it's just a thing that i like as a writer i just you know i write what i love and what comes out of me and i let my subconscious go for it but then maybe it's just a case of it's hard for me to take a step back and figure out where it fits. So it's maybe just pass it on to someone else to do that. So my critique partner or someone else, another reader. Um, so definitely I think that's what I'll, I'll, I learned. Um, the good thing is well, I also learned though, from going through the process is I have like notes and step-by-step and, you know, kind of, I don't have to go through learning what every button it means again. <laughs> um I will also release the ebook and the paperback, you know, fairly close together instead of like <laughs> like months apart. Um just yeah, so just just things like that. Those are like things that can tighten up. I think getting understanding, you know, what genre you are is more important. I think I think that's kind of the main lesson. Awesome. Okay, so back to the question that I gave you a couple of minutes ago. What is your best piece of advice to authors approaching their very first uh, launch? So I'm going to go to Shane first. Yeah, so mine's twofold. I think no matter how scared you are, just press that publish button. Because once you've done it, it is the best, scariest, but the best feeling you'll ever have. Um, And then I think... The second piece of advice, not so much launch, but just make sure that the forward momentum doesn't stop. 
So once you've published, move on to the next thing and the next thing and pray that it gets a little bit easier. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on, Shane. Yeah. (laughs) Pray to the literary gods. Um, Okay, Cassie. Yeah, I think um, my biggest piece of advice is, you know, you don't have to have a ton of things. Um, As Scott talked about, you know, you don't have to have fancy websites and all these things, but I do think a newsletter is important. And I do think a magnet reader is important. If you don't have the time for that, you know, character sketches, deleted scenes, you know, things like that are important to build up momentum. And I regretted not having a magnet. I didn't have a reader magnet until I launched in 2020. And um, yeah, I, I felt like as a new writer, it's really important to have a plan because I got all caught up in the writing, all caught up in hitting that button. And I think it's just really important to think about what your plan is. So you know what your next momentum is, your next thing. Um, And if you don't quite have that plan, it's okay to pause before hitting that button. So you have a strategic launch, because I can tell you, although I didn't put a lot behind it in 2020, my launch was much better organized than it was in 2016. Yeah, I, uh, it's like music to my ears, honestly. <laughs> like as a, as a high strategic, everyone drink. <laughs> Me too, um, I'm high strategic. Yeah, yeah. I think there's only one person here who isn't, uh, but they'll remain nameless. Um, so uh, who, I think I've only got uh, Scott left, so Scott. Yeah, so I'm not going to remain nameless. I'm number 34 strategic. So <laughs> listen, listen, listeners, listeners, you don't need to listen to all that bollocks that you've just heard. Like set, set a deadline and hit publish. That's what you need to do. Oh, I love because, it. Uh, yeah, especially those who are overthinking, like set, set a deadline and hit publish. Um, but yeah, that... That's what worked for me. And I think it could help a lot of people. Um, Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. (laughs) The looks of horror on your faces. You have no idea how much delight I'm taking from this. (laughs) Can you tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel? Uh, Cassie, let's go with you first. Oh my gosh. So I've been thinking on this and I feel like I've always rebelled against the norm, but my family tells me this is where I'm sassy and I'm just stubborn headed and I'm not really a rebel. So, I mean, if you tell me what to do or what to root for, I'm going to run and do the exact opposite usually. (laughs) That is true rebellion. Yeah. And my father would say, I would argue with a fence post and then throw rocks at it. So, you know, that's just kind of my personality, but, um, you know, I'm going to take us back to 2016 to 2020 for my rebellion. And it's when I launched with a pen name, because I had this, you can't do this because of this meaning I can't do this because I have a very important job. It's very serious. And here I am writing about Wiccans, Valkyrie and shapeshifters for my young adult fantasy. What's that going to look at, you know, on the things that I do um, in clinical research, for example. So I put my name uh, to the side and I had a pen name. And in 2020, when I relaunched, I still had my pen name. Um, But I also came to the fruition of being a writing coach and taking training and wanting to move forward in my creative endeavors. And so I had a lovely mentor and teacher who said to me, you know, just redo this and do it under your name because your time's short and I'm not giving up my day job. So I relaunched everything in 2021 under my name. And it felt like the biggest rebellion because I was taking this mask off of some predefined notion that if anyone could find me at work, that it would invalidate what I do at work. And I think that was my biggest fear. 
And once I did that, it was kind of like a, you know, up yours. This is what I'm doing. I don't give a shit. And it was like also the ability to lean into who I am because fuck it. I am really sassy. So if you're going to back me in a corner, you know, we're, we're going to have some words and yeah, I'll get real Southern on you. Um, and if I say, bless your heart, you better know what bless your heart means. Cause you know, it takes a certain kind of person. So I just, I think that was my biggest rebellion in like the last year. Otherwise, you know, it's, I think I don't really have a rebellion <laughs> other than that. I love that rebellion because it's all about empowerment, right? And taking your, you know, the pieces of you back to you. And I don't think there is a greater gift that you can give yourself. So I love that. Um, your your mentor sounds amazing, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, Shane. Okay, so I'm not much of a rebel anymore. So I had to go back to my school days for this one. Um, so, right, I'm sitting in class. The room doesn't have a clock. And we're doing this bullshit time assignment, you know, the kind of thing that teachers make you do that make you want to poke your eyes out, that kind of thing. Um, my mate asked me what the time is, and I take out my phone to check because no clock. The teacher gets completely the wrong end of the stick, storms over, and accuses us of texting each other. Now, I ask, why would we text each other when we sit right next to each other? Doesn't make any sense. I was just checking the time. They're having none of it, and they try to confiscate my phone. I must have been on one that day because I stuck my phone down my trousers and said, (laughs) and I said, I dare you to come and get it. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Yes. Amazing. In In the end, the teacher called in the deputy head and I did surrender the phone after much I think it was about an hour of kind of doing and throwing. Um, but you should have seen the look on that teacher's face. It was worth it was worth the like three weeks of detention or whatever. It's priceless. Oh my god. Shane, I just want to say, what was that five years ago for you? Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. How did you have a phone in class? <laughs> oh my god. That's brilliant. I love it. Oh, that is an amazing rebellion. All right, last but by no means least, Scott. Oh. I how do I follow that? Um, I don't. I am Mr. Consistency, Mr. Rules. So I there's no. This is this is me being rebellious, me doing this. Like actually, everyone is super shocked that I am an author that I know personally around. Me. Um, yeah, um, me actually, I like got straight laced finance job. You know, never done anything super creative before. And so for me to actually um, get over being like the numbers person who does like the normal job, standard family stuff, to actually write a book, release it, come on podcasts, go on live streams I was on last night is just like unheard of. And... I think I'm shocking everyone when I do it and I'm even shocking myself and it has been the best thing I've ever done. Well, there is nothing better than pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. If you're you're in your comfort zone, you're not growing. So, you know, yeah, I think that is amazing. Okay. Where can everyone find out more about you, your books and anything else that you would like to add? Cassie. So you can find me at authorscmnewell.com and on Instagram, I'm at author sassy Cassie because I am sassy. And then you can also find me on TikTok um, and I'm the sassy writing coach there. And I do a lot of free advice and how to's. Excellent. Scott? Um, I have a website now. Look at me. Um, so it's at scottwilliamsonauthor.com and you can also find me on Instagram at Scott underscore Williamson underscore author. Um, and I, you can also find me on the Rebel Author Slack group <laughs> as well, which I would just like to plug here before the end of the show as one of the best things I've also joined. So, yeah, I just recommend that as well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Shane. Yeah, so if you want to reach out for a chat, you can connect with me on Instagram. That's at SW Miller Author. That's Miller with an A. 
And you can find anything related to my books or my upcoming editing services on my website. And that is swmiller.com. Amazing. That's it. We did it. We got to the end. Thank you so much, all of you, for coming on the show. And of course, a gigantic, whopping thank you to all of the show's patrons and all of the show's listeners. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to C.M. Newell, S.W. Miller and Scott Williamson. And this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week is going to be a solo show from yours truly. I am going to be, uh, there may be a second episode if I can pull it together in time, whoops, I'm kicking something under the table, uh, which will be sort of a a review from London Book Fair. But uh, you will have a solo episode from me, which will be the lessons learned from three years of full-time business. And yeah, so I will see you next week. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.